0: You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast.
1: You're listening to episode 454, and I'm your co-host, Brittany Martin. This is the RubyConf at-home live podcast panel that was recorded on January 11th. More importantly, this was a Hanami core contributor panel, and we were so lucky to get all three of our guests together across all time zones. Speaking of lucky, this panel was Jason Charn's idea, and I'm honored to be asked to co-moderate with him. What a guy. Enjoy this very special episode, listeners. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is the RubyConf at-home podcast panel, and we are super thrilled today to have a special episode, which is around Hanami. So first of all, let me introduce our esteemed panelists. First off is Luca Guidi. He is the Hanami author. He's on B Core, and he's a back-end architect at TopTal. He's known for being an open source author for Ruby and Go, of course, Hanami, Store, and DryRB. He is a family man, speaker, stoic, vegetarian, and newbie music producer, which is very cool. Next up, joining us from Australia is Tim Riley. He is also core team on Hanami, DryRB, and ROMRB, and a principal engineer at BuildKite. Tim is an Australian Rubyist, an open source software maintainer, and a principal engineer at BuildKite. And then lastly is Peter Solnicka. He is a senior software engineer at Valued.app. He is based in Krakow, Poland, and he's been an active member of the Ruby open source community for years. And of course, a core team member of Hunami, DryRB, and ROMRB. And of course, I am very lucky today to be joined by my co-moderator, and that is Jason Charns. Jason is a Ruby developer in Humid menses, Tennessee, a staff developer at Podia and a co-host on the remote Ruby podcast.
2: And likewise, I am excited to introduce Brittany, who is engineering manager at Textus, co-host of the fabulous Ruby on Rails podcast and athlete. And I am so delighted that all five of us could span the entire globe today and find a time to meet. And so without further ado, let's jump in I can ask you, Luca, as the creator of Hanami, the person there when it was Lotus, where did we go to get from 1.0 to 2.0? So when we reached
3: 1.0, we were happy. Personally, I was a little bit unsatisfied about the, the design. So it was something that it bugged me even before 1.0 because mainly was about global state that chimed in the design of the framework. And I evolved a lot as a Rubis when uh, doing open source, especially in AMI, because that seems trivial, but it isn't to balance the ergonomics versus what we believe it's right for the framework. So long story short, I started thinking how to approach differently the design and diverge completely out from what we had. And that was a long journey where I met Peter and Tim. And we realized that the projects that uh, like ROM and Dry were preaching, were thinking about Ruby in uh, same direction, let's see, same philosophy behind it. And so we decided to join the effort and try to create an ecosystem that is across the board all the gems, all the projects that I mentioned to be compatible.
4: At this point, I think it might be worth just giving everyone a quick intro to what these things are, because we've just released version two of Hanami. That's a great chance to reintroduce it to people. People may be hearing about it for the first time. It is a full stack app framework for Ruby developers. Like Luca has just shared, it has a long history. It's been around since 2014, I believe. So we've learned a lot in that time. And as part of the effort to write 2.0, we joined forces with the teams who built the dryer B and the Rom B gems. And those themselves are separate projects in the Ruby ecosystem with their own long histories. Dryer B has been around since 2015. It's aimed at a lower level. It's provided a collection of different fairly small single-purpose gems to solve common tasks that we've experienced as uh, ruby application developers it started off with a validation gem and it grew from there and now there are 20 plus gems and wrong and perhaps peter i
0: might let you introduce Rom, and then we can talk about how these things have all come together for hanami 2. so i actually just remember that Luca reached out to me when lotus wasn't even a public project and we had a call like i think it was like 2013 even and we talked about ORMs in general, and how to approach working with databases in Ruby in some like more modern way. And this was the time when I started rewriting ROM, and ROM, or long name is Ruby Object Mapper, a database toolkit. We may say it's an ORM, but not really. It's a way of working with the data in Ruby in a functional way. So it's kind of a mixture of object orientation and functional programming at the same time. So that's pretty cool. And over time, Hanami started using Rome under the hood for its model layer. And eventually we realized that we're going to just use Rome as one of the ways how you can work with databases in Hanami.
1: So could someone give me a idea of when you decided I'm assuming this was like the super team assembling. So you decided we like the direction that Hanami one was going. We want to go Hanami two. We realize it's going to be a lot of breaking changes. How did you orchestrate all of that? How did you decide what direction you were going to take and how long you wanted that overall to take?
4: I can actually tell you the exact date. It was the 22nd of March, 2018. Because I had um, some notes I took from the call, which I shared with the team recently when we released 2.0. So it's been nearly five years. It's been a long road. And I think it just goes to show that we put a lot of thought Into this release, we learned a lot along the way that it's taken a few different shapes as we figured out, because what we've done is basically stripped it back and started from scratch, following the same principles, but sort of elevating the architecture at the same time. And it also just shows that we're a a ragtag tag group of volunteers and we're just doing our best, but I'm really proud of how we've stuck it out. And I think the community can feel confident from the fact that we've got to this point and can trust the Hanami project in the present and be excited for its future. But yeah, it's just been fairly consistent work across that time. Life happens. So people duck in and out for months here and there, but we've had a lot of ground to cover. This is also one of the reasons for this release for the 2.0 release. We decided to sort of cleave the project in half. We started by releasing the core framework and all the sort of base conveniences along with a router and the controller layer, which was a great combination for a good subset of apps. And now we've pivoted to just finishing off the rest of the full stack experience, which are already sort of 90% complete. We just need to do the finishing touches and that'll bring forward the view layer, front end assets integration, as well as the persistence.
2: Yeah, I think that is the most pro project management move I've seen is where you want to get it out the door. And so you look for like, okay, what can we cut right now? And I'll say cutting the view later, and I'm using quotation marks here. You've done a lot of work on Hanami View. It's not that it's not ready. Like, it's not usable. Luca and Peter have come and hung out on a live stream where, like, we brought it in. But I admire that so much. And I think and I hope that contributes to 2.0 just being even more successful.
1: I'm curious, what was everyone's roles on the team? I mean, you're all very talented developers. But are there any secret super skills that you brought to the team, like maybe project management, marketing? You have to tell people that it's out there, like going on conference talks. Like, what is the secret skill of everybody? I always thought as Lotus and then Hanami
3: Lotus was the old name of the project as a product. That means understand the market niche, understand the pitch, and then reverse engineer the design. So, having that unified narrative helped a lot to take decisions, even in the design. My role in the team is also giving the rest of the folks here the history of something that we tried and we failed, or some caveats that we found, I don't know, eight years ago, where neither team or Peter were around, but I'm the history of the project.
4: I'd also say, just speaking about Luca's role, before I share what I've sort of brought, Luca's the curator. Of the Hanami experience, I feel, as the original author of the very first incarnation of the project, and having lived through that time, yes, he's seen what's worked and what hasn't, but also has this idea about the experience we want to deliver for our users with 2.0. And the experience we want to provide with Hanami, for example, is slightly different from the experience that we provided through Dryer B. Uh, which is a much more many more knobs things you can do a lot of different moving parts you might want to slot in and that's by design it's intended to be plug and play you can bring in what you want but if we took that approach red large and extended it to a whole framework it might make for a fairly awkward or ungainly or just overwhelming experience so lucas helped us really keep that sort of streamlined user experience in mind And what we've brought alongside that is an emphasis on keeping the right things configurable and the right things flexible to go along with that. So if you want to deviate from that golden path somewhat, you don't need to eject yourself from the whole Hanami experience. You can just change one bit and we set up those solid abstractions within the framework to make that possible. I think Luke has been extremely generous to sort of also let go a little as the original creator and bring in the ideas that Peter and I have from our own experiences. And I think that's actually made for a, the best possible product that we've been able to ship this time around and we're still in the process of shipping. But in terms of what each of us did, I think it actually worked really easily and organically. We don't have a lot of overlap time, which is why it's 7am and for me, 10 people look at Peter or something like that right now. We sort of sip our collaboration through a thin little straw but it's actually worked out pretty well. And we've all had sort of areas where we've been most interested or most experienced, and we've let each other work in those areas and provided the feedback as we go. So Luke Gove, for example, did a ton of work on the router, and he did the early overhaul of the controller layer, where I then went to work on the core framework, the application core, the part that manages the components and so on. And Peter did a ton of work on our logging system at the last minute there and we're happy to let him do it because we trusted him and we know that we share these underpinning principles that are all sympathetic to each other and that means that we only really need to focus on little pieces of feedback to sort of get the experience just right at the end
0: because all the core ideas are already quite well aligned. There's also one thing to mention because Hanami 2.0 wasn't like a typical type of open source work because we... Use a lot of the stuff that was already built. So basically, this entire effort was like a combination of many years of our work, collective work on lots of different libraries. And we took a lot of ideas from these libraries and like transferred them to Hanami. Or we just reused the existing libraries as they are and improved them in many different ways. And Tim actually took a lot of JRB libraries and made them just absolutely amazing when we were all asleep
5: this episode is brought to you by honey badger did you know that honey badger status pages now come with incident management as an engineering manager on a team who recently implemented an incident management process i was super excited to hear this build confidence with a public status page that shows your live service status and incident history the ability to bring your own domain is key here transparency inspires trust when your next outage happens communication is going to be key alert your users of issues early and keep them updated as each incident unfolds with incident management plus if you have scheduled maintenance you can keep your users informed as your team works through the window head on over to honeybadger.io to learn more
1: So Peter, I'm going to stay with you. What part of Hanami 2.0 are you most proud of?
0: Yeah, that's a difficult question. I don't think I have like a single thing. I think just the whole release, the entire package under the Hanami gem is something that I'm really proud of. If I were really to like select just one little thing, I mean, it's not even a little thing, it's a huge thing. It's not even Hanami, it's dry system. And what Tim did with this, because in my greatest dreams i couldn't foresee that it's going to evolve so well like we talked about some things they would like to have someday in the future like two years ago i remember we talked about like different ways of setting things up like how we could structure like files and directories and how dependency injection should work stuff like that and we're like ah yeah that would be nice but you know we really need to like cut the scope because we can improve it later but eventually tim did all of that so I was extremely happy to see all those PRs coming in and all those amazing advanced features just becoming reality. So yeah, and it's a big part of Hanami right now. So you could say it's a Hanami thing because it just comes with it pre-configured and exposes a lot of the functionality out of the box, just working for you. So yeah, that would be it for me at least.
2: If you don't mind, I think I have, a general sense of what Dry System does, but maybe for, no, I'll say it, I'll ask for myself. Would you maybe just explain what a Dry System is, maybe at a high level, if that's possible, just so we can kind of understand its impact on the Hanami?
0: So it's a library that you can use to organize your code base and have files loaded automatically, as well as instances of classes loaded automatically. So it's basically auto loading with a lot of additional features and one of the biggest features probably most important features that we use in Hanami is dependency injection because by default, all the classes that you define in your app directory are going to be just created for you and exposed through application container. So that's one of the things that dry system does, but that's like very high level thing. There's a lot of functionality there. But my initial motivation behind this project was to have a more explicit way of managing dependencies as in like all the libraries and all the classes and modules and configuration, all this stuff to just have it manageable by you so that when your application is booting, you want to know what's actually happening and when and why and be able to do things like load the rake task and say this rake task requires a database connection, please give it to me and everything will just happen automatically so that's a way of managing your application in a more explicit way
2: that makes sense that's cool so kind of like when you're talking about like you load a rate task but you need database you can kind of like orchestrate as you need certain things you can pull them in or load them in for processing like running your rate tasks, things like that
0: it makes using things like third-party gems just simpler like you don't need any kind of like really special magical code you just configure something and make it available to the rest of your app and it's going to be made available whenever you need it again explicit ways
2: i'll just kind of keep it going tim what's your favorite part or the thing you're most proud of from hanami 2 so far i think
4: it has to be the way that the framework gently encourages a certain way of organizing your business logic which is decomposed into focused components each their own ruby class which Is a way that we as Rubyists here is a good way to do things. We'll read one of Sandy Metz's books and get excited about how to model our bicycle or whatever (laughs) it is for our business domain, right? But then we experience the next day shock of how you might do that with the framework or the apps that you're working in day to day and feel like it's harder than it needs to be. Or you don't know what it should look like. But... Nami takes a different tack and by making dependency injection really low friction and the default way of bringing behavior together, it helps us as the authors of the apps to think about, well, if I could have the perfect arrangement of my business logic, what would that look like? What parts should I make reusable really easily? And the framework encourages that. And it does that not only at a sort of class by class, component by component layer, but also at a higher layer as well, because we've introduced this concept of slices, which are the high level subsystems that your app is composed of. And so you get to think about these sorts of little graphs of dependencies at both the low level, which are your individual classes, but also the high level, like my app has five main responsibilities and I might want to deploy parts of my app where only three of them are activated. And the framework just makes all of that really easy. And that creates a huge amount of flexibility for you as your app grows. And it gets you thinking about modularity right from the get-go without actually a huge amount of extra cost you know the only extra cost is the brain time and that's the best time to be spending it anyway as your app is getting started and it does all of this in a curated experience Hanami 2 shaped apps have been in production for five or more years peter was a co-worker of mine back at ice lab a company we helped run and we were doing this very thing way back then and i think it sort of is a testament to the value that hanami 2 brings that it's taken so long for us to polish this because they're now more accessible than ever. If someone has felt like they're fighting the structure of their apps too much, well, we can offer a fresh take. And not only a fresh take, but one that's really easy to try because we have the app framework working in a really streamlined way, along with documentation, a lot of conventions, so that you're entering into a community of people who are building apps of a certain flavor and can learn a lot from being
0: part of that community.
2: And let's round it out. Luca, what is your favorite or most proud feature of Hanami 2.0? It's not
3: a feature, it's a characteristic, I would say. It's a dream framework for me, of course, because I'm behind it, right? Of course, so I'm biased, but the parts that I'm proud of is that it's complete. I mean, we are in work for the remaining parts there. It's fast and lightweight. It outperforms, in terms of memory and speed, all the other frameworks, including Sinatra. And that is amazing for me. And it has Ruby at the center. So the logo, for those who don't remember, there is here. It's Ruby at the center because we love Ruby and we want to protect it. And so we don't use monkey patching. Everything that we do for Hanami is thought to be to expand and empower the ecosystem, not to build a wall of garden.
1: And so for me, that's the dream that is real now reality. Okay. So I need a volunteer to answer a question for me that I've always kind of wondered because you can picture me like Charlie from It's Always Sunny. You know, I've got the board behind me, all the strings tied together. How does Rhoda factor into the whole Hanami 2.0 story? So if you are looking in terms of compatibility,
3: between the two, they are a kind of competitor. And so the competition was for me an incentive to write something fast. And so there is this competition, let's say between myself and Jeremy. Hey, Jeremy, I don't know if you will ever listen to this podcast. We'll make um, sure he does. <laughs> to do our best to provide a, you know a very fast router, for us, it's in Hanami and for him, he's in Rhoda. So that's the kind of thing. I believe that competition is a healthy for an ecosystem. Without him and without his benchmarks, I would never rewrite the router in a way that now it's very fast.
1: Yeah, I can verify I was on the Rhoda homepage today and Hanami's on there. So like, he's definitely tracking you as well, which is awesome. Tim, what do you think?
4: So there's that facet, but there's also the facet of... Interoperability, which is a big part of the story for all of these, call them quote unquote alternative Ruby solutions. And we want it to be an ecosystem that shows how things can play nicely together. And it's been a big part of the principles that we brought to Hanami 2 development, which is, yeah, Lucas has said it before, we don't want Hanami to be a walled garden. We want it to be a good member of the broader Ruby ecosystem of tools. And so, for example, one of the things we did was we made it so that as many of the dependencies of the vanilla Hanami experience are optional as possible. So if you create a Hanami app, you'll get a gem in your gem file called Hanami controller and Hanami router, and you can choose to remove them and replace them with Router. And you can write your routing layer of your app in Rota and still have it call in to the, the core Hanami framework and load the rest of your components that are still managed by Konami, organized by the default Hanami conventions, and everything will work just fine. And I think that's a really important aspect for how we as tool builders in Ruby can sort of nurture the future of our ecosystem by making things play nicely together. Because not every solution is going to be perfect. Not every tool is going to be perfect for every requirement, but there may be parts of them that are. And so if you're someone who just loves the idea of a routing tree, well, we want Hanami to help you with the other aspects of your app and vice versa. If there are people making tools that are meant to assist Ruby application developers do a certain task, we hope that they will make it easy for those tools to plug into Hanami as well. And hopefully we provide some examples of what that might look
5: like. The traditional tool stack wasn't meant for this kind of hybrid work we're all experiencing now. Miro, on the other hand, was always designed for it designed to fit into your engineering workflow, not the other way around. Miro is an infinite digital whiteboard-like space where you can up your team velocity. Want to create user story maps, prioritize your backlog, organize tasks into sprints while connecting with your team? Miro's got tons of templates for that, no problem. Being able to shoot a link to a Miro board and bring other teams into the conversation, especially for engineering teams like yours that want to bring in marketing or product, it'll completely change how you think. Miro also has integrations with tools you probably already use like Jira, Azure, and Rally. Import tasks from them as native cards to visualize the big picture. Draw dependency lines, manage workloads, and make adjustments on the fly to stay aligned and on track. Miro's estimation app also gives you a clear understanding of work scope and lets you identify gaps in analysis or understanding and set clear expectations for delivery. Head on over to Miro.com slash Ruby, that is M-I-R-O.com slash Ruby, to check out the Ruby on Rails podcast community board in action. Get to know us, the co-hosts, play some games, and leave feedback on this podcast episode with sticky notes, comments, reactions, and more. That's Miro.com slash Ruby. Thank you to Miro for sponsoring the show.
1: So I'm going to give our panelists a much-deserved break and actually turn it on to my moderator. Because Jason has been doing some live streaming of building with Hanami 2.0. And so I'd love just your initial impressions, Jason, so far.
2: Yeah. My background with Hanami is I followed along with it back when it was Lotus, then became Hanami. I built an app. I started, I think, pre Hanami one, maybe it was Hanami one. And I built this, I was trying to build a SaaS app, which is like the story of my life. Try to build a SaaS app, fail, move on to the next one. And about halfway through, like I was having fun, but I, t- I needed, this is so embarrassing. It wasn't Hanami's fault. It was JavaScript's fault, right? It always is. And so like, I had trouble trying to bring Webpack in and I was like, I give up I moved on. And then I've been excited for Hanami 2. I've been following dry for a long time. I've looked at ROM. I hadn't had a chance to use it. So like Hanami 2.0 came out I was like, perfect like i'm gonna get out of my comfort zone and show people how bad i am at like learning new things and so my experience with it has been awesome i attribute a lot of that to the fact that one time luca came two or three times peter's been there and that's been helpful too but we just started from scratch we just ran the hanami command to generate an app and we've been figuring out as we go along I noticed by the third time we were streaming, a lot of it was starting to become muscle memory. It was less thinking about like, how do params work? It was, okay, I need these params. I'm going to define this params block. And sometimes I still get confused on like, oh, how do I make this param required? Or how do I make it not only required, but it's this type. And that brings me joy. I've always liked, how Tim mentioned earlier, like actions which we might in rails think of as like you have a controller in each method and there's an action and then you've got three private methods that correspond to one action and like three other ones that correspond to another and this file kind of becomes littered i really love in hanami where an action's a class and basically all my logic in that class is just related to that action that's been fun Bringing the view layer in, I had help from Luca and Peter because as we mentioned earlier, like Hanami view is the thing you can use. It is not bolted in yet to Hanami 2. That's been fun. I really like the idea of kind of having this model in between like the template and the controller or the action. I still need to figure out how to use it better, but I like what I've done so far. The thing that I'm most excited about, though, well, the two things I'm most excited about and excited to learn more about. Slices, which I think also Tim mentioned earlier, I think are so cool. I love the idea of having one and Elixir, I guess I call it like an umbrella app. I love the idea of having one umbrella app, but like how many apps have you built that have certain sections that really they may share some of the same like business models, but conceptually they're like two different apps. Like you have one that's for customers and one that's for business. Back end for your customers and then one that's like an admin panel, stuff like that. I'm so excited to dig into that more. But the thing I'm most excited to learn about and get better at is ROM. I am a big fan of the database. People may judge me for it, but a lot of power in the database. And there are times in a a certain ORM that some of us have to use that I feel a little limited, and I see an opportunity for ROM to help me kind of have ways to express myself better in SQL without having to leave Ruby. So these are my overall impressions. They're all really positive. I am, once I heal from surgery, a bit excited to start streaming again and continue that because it's just been fun. And it's nice to like be excited about something in Ruby again.
1: I completely agree. Love that, Jason. I think it's been really cool watching you do these. And I've joined a couple streaming sessions and I see the core maintainers. I mean, how often does that happen where you have core maintainers and they're helping you on their new framework? You're probably just writing feature requests on the side as Jason <laughs> is plugging along, which is so awesome. But your enthusiasm really goes to the next question. And that is, what is Hanami's place in the ecosystem? Tim, I know you recently talked about this in a conference talk. Do you think you could kick us off? Because I'd also like to hear from Luca and Peter on this as well.
4: What I hope Hanami can be is maybe a bit of a gravitational force because we have some serious firepower behind the team building it. We're building up some excitement. I'm so happy that Jason has been having a pleasant time. I'm keen one day to be awake when he live streams so I can follow along and lend some advice if need be. But yeah, I hope it can be a thing that helps people recognize that there are more ways to build Ruby applications than they might think, or than they might be led to believe by just doing a, like a 10,000-foot survey of the Ruby ecosystem. And maybe it can be a place that accumulates a bit of a community and can represent some different ways of structuring applications. This is also one of the other guiding forces behind another Konami 2.0 feature, which is making everything plug and play as much as possible, making it possible to remove parts of the framework that you don't need. So if you want to build a non-web app, for example, well, now we have a framework that can give you all of the conveniences you still want without encumbering you with the things that you don't. And that can mean that it's available for more things than you might just expect from a, you know, you're not just building a CRUD web app, you can build a much wider range of things with it.
1: Yeah, I'm someone who used to be a heavy user of AWS Lambda for like Ruby functions. And to me, like I think Hanami would be the perfect use case here.
4: Yeah. In fact, it's already in use for that. I've worked with folks and helped set up Hanami to be well-suited to running in Lambda. And our sort of uh, flexible code loading works really well with that. Hanami has two different ways of booting. You don't need to do the standard approach where everything loads up front and gets prepared as part of a single boot cycle where you can instead boot as little as possible and then let's particular components be loaded when they're required. And that's a really great way for running in that kind of serverless environment where boot time is actually, you're really sensitive to that. You want to incur as little penalty as possible. And with Hanami, we support that. So yeah, yet another pathway for app development that's now possible to take the advantage of a framework and the conventions and all the community that goes along with it.
1: Peter, I'm going to turn to you because I know that you do a really good job of keeping your eyes on like other frameworks, other languages. You know, where do you see Hanami's place in the ecosystem?
0: Well, my personal dream is to see it kind of like a Ruby version of Phoenix and Rome as as an Ecto in Elixir ecosystem. They're doing really amazing stuff. And we would love to have something like that in Ruby as well. But also in general, I would like to see Hanami, and this was already mentioned, but I would like it to be this tiny little ecosystem inside of a bigger ecosystem that really plays nicely with everything else where people can leverage Hanami for all sorts of things, which was already mentioned. <laughs> so I just confirmed this message.
1: <laughs> I love it when, you know, the core maintainers agree. It's a good thing, right? <laughs> like, it's a good thing. How about you, Luca? What do you think?
3: I endorse what they said just to reiterate to Brittany the impression and the fact that we agree on this. And also the fact that I see the Hanami a way to diversify the offer in the Hanami ecosystem, both technologically speaking and in terms of teaching people. One thing that I use to say myself is that I see frameworks in general as a way to teach people about code and good practices, and I believe this is the case. And so, again, technological diversity and diversity of opinions on how to approach software. And uh, thanks, Jason, because you said that you are excited again about something that's happening in Ruby ecosystem. So that makes me happy.
2: Yeah, I was just gonna say, I mean it, like, it feels like you're just discovering something new. When I first came to Ruby, I was like, oh my God, like, this is amazing. And then I learned Rails and I've made an entire like career out of it. But then it felt like sitting down building this app with no goal of like business things right now, just learning something new. It sparked all of those like feelings of learning Ruby again. It was joyful. I will say the thing I want to like emphasize, it very much just felt like writing Ruby. It wasn't necessarily magical in terms of like, I didn't understand it. Even though I may not understand all of it, I could kind of parse it, it like, oh, I bet that's how it works under the hood. And that's very empowering.
1: So Tim, you know, very much on brand, you brought a coffee to the talk. And so I'd actually like to know what is decaf sucks? <laughs>
4: I wish I brought two, got to say. But anyway,
1: (laughs) Dick of Sucks was an app
4: that I wrote with a couple of friends, uh, Max and Hugh here in Canberra in Australia, for the Rails Rumble, which if you haven't heard of it, was a build an app in 48 hours kind of competition that was sort of around during the heyday of Rails. And I did a few of them. They were good fun. I was pre-kids, obviously. And we used it in this instance as an opportunity to build something that we wanted to see in the world for ourselves, which is just a nice place to write down our thoughts about the cafes we visit. It's a coffee shop review app. We picked a cheeky name, hopefully one that's memorable. Although I've heard advances in decaf have maybe made it suck less in recent years, but I'm not one to know. Sadly, it was a side project. I relied on a lot of third-party APIs, which changed over time. Google Maps' business model changed and all these sorts of things. And it gradually sort of stopped working. So we decommissioned it a few years back. But I have all the data. We have tens of thousands of reviews in there. It actually gained quite a good following from web nodes who tend to also to be opinionated about their coffee. So not a bad Venn diagram overlap there. And so I'd like to bring it. Well, I am in the process of slowly bringing it back. I'm working with Max on it as well, who sort of is the front end developer and designer, and makes so much about what DecapSucks sucks was good. I'm going to bring it back as an example, Hanami app, fully open source. I'm building it very slowly because I'm focused on shipping the rest of Hanami 2 at the moment, but I'm doing it PR by PR. So if people want to follow, they can and see it be assembled piece by piece. And hopefully it will represent a real non-trivial Hanami app out in the world that is in wide use and that has to do real things that people can look at and draw inspiration from and hopefully even one day contribute to as a way to sort of show what's possible when you're looking to build things with the framework.
2: I want to point out, it already is that, because we've been referencing it in the live stream. When I'm like, I don't know how to do this. I'm like, has Tim done this yet, and Deepcat sucks? And we just hop over to GitHub and try and figure it out. So yeah, it's already very useful for that.
1: So I want to know, this is a little bit of a controversial question, so someone's going to have to volunteer for it. But you know, it has been a couple of controversial years for Ruby on Rails. And do you see any opportunities out of that situation to manage Hanami differently?
4: This is something that is important to us as the core team. Fortunately, one of those things that we naturally see eye to eye on. So firstly, if we're talking about sort of the values and expectations of Ruby project leadership and their communities, this is what we're referring to. And we are. yeah, I actually ran some of my thoughts past Luca and Peter yesterday. And so, yeah, where we see eye to eye of this. What does Hanami mean to be an example of all that's good in the Ruby community? I've been involved with Ruby for 20 years and I can definitely say that when I think about my history, I can easily say I came for the technology, but I stayed for everything else, community and the values that it holds. And those values have become stronger over time in areas that are really important for social progress. And we want our project to be welcoming and inclusive. It also means we're prepared to make the hard decisions about who we may not want to remain in our community in order to protect the rest of that community at large. Small example of this, we recently upgraded our code of conduct to the latest version of the Contributor Covenant because that latest version provides much clearer examples of behavior that we will tolerate and clear steps that we'll take to deal with that behavior. And I think the thing that this rests upon is some fundamental beliefs that we share, at least for the Hanami project. Technology is not politically neutral, and there are things that we can do, small and large, in tech, and in our case as leaders of an open source tech project to help bring about social progress. But we are a small team. So far we've had a lovely community form around us in Konami, which is wonderful. And right now we are focused on finishing the technical work of delivering the second half of 2.0. But this is a big important point for Konami as a project. So once we get past that, we want to spend some time thinking about the governance structure of the project and making sure that structure isn't some informal thing that no one can sort of understand. We want to make that clearly communicated. And we want to see if we can arrange that structure such that the project can't be poisoned by someone going rogue or a bad actor, even if it is one of us in the future. Community and the project is more important than any one individual. So this will take a bit of time to figure out, but I think these things are worth doing. And we're excited by what's coming to the world with Hanami 2, We think the project is being set up for a long and successful future and we want to make sure we can do everything we can to ensure this. And this doesn't mean just the right arrangement of code in the framework code. It's more important that we do this from a community and values perspective too. So we're thinking about this and we want Hanami to be an example of a well-run, inclusive project and one that shows how it's just easy to do the right things. The framework is set up so that the easy way of building code in a Hanami app is also a way that is technically good, and we want to show that doing this from a community side, the easy and the right way should overlap and can be the same thing as well.
3: In general, I believe that this kind of projects and communities needs to be run intentionally for the inclusivity. What I mean here is it's not enough to say we need to be, you know, mats is nice and so we are nice too. That is a good way to set the tone. You need to be deliberate in setting the good example and communicating actively that everyone in the community is welcome. And those are the rules. Nothing should be left unsaid. It's better to over-communicate. All the individuals are welcome, and those are the rules to
1: stay in the community. So we keep saying the word community, but I'm curious, what does the Hanami community currently look like? We're going through this weird split where some of us are on Mastodon, some of us are on Twitter. Some of us are on Discord, Slack. So where does all of that community discussion happen? And then furthermore, how are people finding out about Hanami?
3: That is the least structured part in terms of communication. Because of the splits, we have a chat, we have a forum, we have GitHub and we have Twitter, all the tools that you mentioned, Brittany. The point here is that we try there is Stack flow as well. Questions popping up there and i found that it's really hard to convey discussions generally speaking and that is a good sign because people tend to use the tools that they prefer people staying on twitter migrating to mastodon whatever and that is a good sign of vitality we try to keep an eye on all those channels that we just mentioned but i don't have an answer because Every day, literally every day, we discover that Hanami, even 1.0, is deployed somewhere in some company that we never heard about. That makes it a kind of odd situation for us to discover because we we expect things to be around us, to be informed, but that, that doesn't happen. And that, I believe it's a good
4: sign.
1: So I wouldn't be a good podcast host if I was talking to open source maintainers and didn't bring up the word sustainability. So I am curious, like, do you have any corporate sponsorship at all? How do you overall make this sustainable? Because we are talking to three people and you are three very powerful people. But how do you make sure that Hanami is sustainable?
3: I trust the people here in this room to stay in the leadership of the project. And the fact that I, when I was alone with other people in the team that decided to depart from the team, I was kind of a single point of failure and I wanted to remove myself from this position. For instance, the management of everything. Now on GitHub, all the three of us are admins in the organization. Same goes for all the tools that we mentioned. We share everything, the power equally. And so that is important for us. And even if Life will take one of us away. We're sure that the team stays there for the community. Talking about sponsorship, we do have sponsorship using Hanami sponsorship tools. That is a kind of umbrella for Hanami, Dryerby, and ROM. So people that want to fund the projects can go there and do a contribution. So this is the situation right now. We are welcoming companies to sponsor us. There are a few of them doing, but that is not corporate-like. There is no company behind the companies that we work for that are paying us to
4: do open source work on Anami. I also think it's an opportunity. We have corporate tiers on GitHub sponsors. We don't yet have any company that's really stepped up and taken the mantle. So this is an opportunity. If you're listening person in some company, come find us on GitHub Sponsors. The first sponsors of the Nanami Projects will have strong visibility as companies that care for the longevity of the broader Ruby ecosystem. They'll have visibility to the core team and access to us probably in a way that you you, you may not otherwise have. So Ruby as an ecosystem has been kind of lopsided and we're hoping that we can ride the ship a little bit with this effort. We're realistic in our goals, but there's a great opportunity here for people who are making money from Ruby, from tools, even if you're just using B only. As Luca said, the Hanami sponsorship is an umbrella for that organization as well. And I know that's used quite widely. There are chances
2: to help support the future of these projects. We're getting close to wrapping up. And I'm going to throw out a question that you're either going to love or you're going to just leave the call early for. So I'm going to start with Peter, but I would love to hear from everyone. So we talked about 2.0 shipping without some features that you still want the framework. Most notably to me is I noticed going through the 2.0 setup, the guides. So there is no Hanami model in 2.0. The guides talk about setting up, how to configure ROM. My other thing, which would go to Tim, is that there is no Hanami view baked in yet. So what are things you're excited about? What are your plans for 2.1? And the best part of the question, what are you thinking about time-wise for releasing those? And I'll start with Peter.
0: Yeah, I'm doing my best not to say anything about any kind of timelines. so and that's okay, too.
2: That's okay, I too, made,
0: Honestly, Yeah, I've made the mistake of saying things like, it's going to be ready this year for sure, 100%. <laughs> then it didn't happen, and then it happened again and again. So I'm not doing this. But... Been there. It seems like it's going to be ready in Q1 2023. <laughs> and I just made this mistake again. Oh, well. But yeah, we have things more or less ready it's more about like putting things together and making sure that the experience is great because i don't think we mentioned that but one of the things that we like really care about is just developer experience i think it's kind of lacking in general in ruby like we made it really great many years ago and then we didn't spend much time thinking about how to make it even better at least that was my impression so this is something i'm paying attention to and thinking how we could improve this in Hanami itself so yeah like the view layer it exists. Tim is making it multiple times faster now, but it works. It's done. It's a matter of like polishing it and making it, it faster. Rome is also done. It's been done for years. I mean, it can be better. So I'm working on 6.0 to make it better so that it's easier to get started with it and set it up, stuff like that. But yeah, these are like two main missing parts. And then there is the whole front end area, but... I know very little about front-end, so I'm not going to comment on that. That's but the no. Yeah, but time-wise, Q1 is realistic. I'm going to take the risk and say it.
2: I won't hold you to it. In the Q1, you're talking about shipping. Maybe it's NAMI 2.1 or whatever, but it's basically, if I understand correctly, kind of a pre-configured way to use ROM in Hanami.
0: Correct, yeah. Okay. We had a lot of discussions about like whether we should reintroduce Hanami model, but... At the moment, it seems like we won't need it, but I have a feeling that we will need it eventually. <laughs> okay. Just for front end stuff, like let's say you have all kinds of things built around dealing with web forms, for example, just this is already pretty complicated and this will not be handled by Rome, not a chance. So this yeah. is something for Hanami. I suspect that we're going to have some like model layer and features built for Rome there.
2: Awesome. Tim, Hanami view, how are you feeling? You're making it faster. That's exciting. Yeah.
4: Firstly, let me just pump up the database persistence stuff. The, one of the most pivotal moments in my history as a Rubyist was when I first used ROM and finally realized what it meant to properly separate the business layer from the persistence layer. And I'm super excited for like a new level of flexibility to be coming to Hanami with the ROM integration that we're going to provide. That's really good. On the views, I've spent the last couple of weeks just making sure Hanami View is as fast as it needs to be. Thankfully, that's done. It's another component in the stack that feels Hanami ish. Every Hanami View is a class, just like every action is a class. And you explicitly declare the values that you want to pass from your view class to the template. And this has been in production for six years, Konami View was actually the kernel of one of Peter's initial experiments that led to B and all these other explosions of tools around it. So it's a really rock solid view layer. It's been working well. It's functionally complete. We're just looking at the integration story here and making sure traversing some of the common tasks is really easy, like building forms in the view layer should be as smooth as possible and not put up too much areas of friction. So. Yeah, the last stretches. If you want to see what it looks like, go see decapsucks slash decapsucks on GitHub. But yeah, it's not too far away.
1: All right. We have one minute left. So, Luca, we want to hear your thoughts before we wrap up. The experience, developer experience, Hanami
3: experience, mainly. And I will work with a team on helpers and by myself on assets.
1: What an incredible panel this has been. Thank you so much to all the panelists for making these time zones work and coming together for this panel. It's been so great. Jason is always wonderful to moderate with you. Let's do this again, shall we?
2: Likewise. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast.
0: Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.